Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon speaks on the importance of vision. Businesses, corporations, and churches talk about vision all of the time. But how often do we look at vision in our own lives and family? We must realize that vision has to start at the cross. Good morning. We are glad you are at Connection Church. My name is Brandon. Glad you are here. And uh, the food will bring people out. Amen. If people know you have food, you can bank on it. It is going to be a big Sunday. So we're glad you're here. What an awesome blessing to be able to come and worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, together. When we sing some of those songs and and I could hear everybody singing, sitting in the front right here, it was just so cool to think about um, how we are united around the cross. And so we're just thankful you guys are here to worship with us and and to be a part of it. I do want to give you um, a couple of quick announcements that, that I just wanted to share with you, a couple of opportunities that we have coming up two Sundays from now. Um, We're going to have something called a quick connect. And what that is, is at 945, we're going to have some coffee and some donuts and and things set up over here in this uh, little foyer area where all the the good food is for lunch today. And uh, we're going to give you an opportunity. You might be new to the church. Maybe you haven't really connected with anybody yet. We want to give you an opportunity to come and make some connections. And uh, we'll have some folks there that you can meet. We'll tell you some ways that you can get involved with the church and uh, just give you an opportunity to make some uh, connections with different people. Um, Something else that's coming up along those lines is on February the 27th, we're going to have what we're calling a vision meeting. Now, we used to call it membership classes, but for some reason, this is just me, but for some reason, I just didn't like the sound of that. It's not like you were joining a country club or something like that instead of coming to church and being a part of the body of Christ. So what we want to do is just give you an opportunity. If you are new to the church, or if um, you're looking at making this your church home, we want to give you an opportunity to come and hear the vision of Connection Church, to come and be a part of, of a day. It'll be from 9 to 12 on February the 27th, so that you can come and be a part of this. And we're going to explain to you where we came from, where we're going, um, our basic beliefs, and we're going to serve you lunch at 12 o'clock. So if nothing else, just come for lunch. Um, but we're going to do that and give you an opportunity to, to come alongside the vision. We want you to know if you're coming to church here, we want you to know what you're getting into and kind of where we're heading and what the Lord has really put on our heart as far as uh, where this church is going. All right? You ready to get into the Word? You excited? Everybody looks excited? Like, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time today. And uh, Chad has already told me to keep it short because he's ready to eat. And um, so I'll do my best to do that. We'll be out no later than 1.30. And uh, we have a microwave. We'll warm up your plate. It'll be good. But I tell you what, let's do this. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into the Word. Amen. God, thank you for today. God, just, uh, just this week, I've just been in awe again of the cross. I've been in awe again of um, Jesus and what he's done for us, God. Thank you for that. Thank you, God, that even while we were sinners, you gave your life for us. Even while we were screwed up and wallowing in our own mess, God, you gave your life for us. We thank you for that. Thank you, God, that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. That Jesus became flesh. That that you, God, came to earth and showed us the way to live. God, today I pray that we would get a clear vision of that cross. That the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and give us a clear vision of what you've done for us, God. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We, God, we ask you to have your way here. May, 
the word be anointed so that it finds good soil in our hearts. I pray that those who right now feel the Holy Spirit knocking on the door of their hearts would open that door and that you, God, would be faithful. Thank you that when we do that, you come and you reside inside of us. Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to read to you real quick. It's a short little verse, but I want to read it to you. If you've been in church, you've probably heard it more than once, and I want to read it to you again. But it says, where there is no revelation in Proverbs 29, 18, it would be good if you knew where I was reading. Did that last week. Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. You've probably heard this verse quoted as where there is no vision, my people perish. You've probably heard it quoted as that many times. Um, the NIV says, you know, that where there is no revelation, um, people cast off restraint. And I believe if you take those two, you kind of put them together, you begin to see exactly what uh, the writer was intending. Um, today in, in our society, in the world, if you are involved in any organization, if you're involved in any kind of management, one of the things you're going to hear over and over again is leadership and vision. How many of you work in a corporate setting or in some job where, or maybe in your classes at school where you hear people all the time talking about leadership and vision? People hear that all the time. That's, that's what you're going to, it's the buzzword. Whether you're uh, the CEO of GE or whether you are the pastor of a church, the thing you are going to hear all the time is vision, vision, leadership, vision, vision, vision. People pound it into your head now because why? Because without a vision, people cast off restraint. Without a vision, people go their own way. Is it not obvious why we need a vision as a company? Is it not obvious why we need a vision as a corporation? It's pretty obvious why we need a vision as a church, right? So that we know where we're going. So that we know um, the place that we're headed. So that everybody's not going their own way. Um, I've met with several people as we've been planning this church, going through the church. There was one guy I met with down in Tampa, Florida. And he told me... Uh, you know, I was, he was on the board of all these churches, these ch different churches that have been successful. I said, what is the one common denominator that you see among every church that has been successful? The one thing, and I ask people this all the time, what's the one thing that you see? And he, he didn't think about it. He didn't pray about it. He just said, vision. They constantly talk about the vision. And so vision is incredibly important, and we see this in our life. But what does vision do for a company? One of the things it does is that it guides that company. It guides that organization. What does it do for the church? It guides that church. God puts something on your heart as a pastor, as a leader, and you begin to move that direction. You begin to put that into other people's hearts. You begin to transfer that vision. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision and make it plain so that those who read it may run with it. So you want other people to know what it is that God has put on your heart so that you can begin to move in that direction so that we can all run together with the vision that God's given us so it guides us. The other thing it does is it clarifies things for us. It gives us a clear direction of where we're headed. It, it, it lets us know the direction that we're going as a business or as a church or, or whatever the organization is. It gives us a clear direction. The other thing it does is it simplifies it simplifies because, see, once you have a vision, every decision you make has to come under that vision. You have to make every decision based on, does this come in line with the vision that we have? 
Does this come in line with the vision that, that we're supposed to be following? As a church, does this come in line? Does this decision, if we do this and we use our resources to do this, are we going to be fulfilling the vision that God has given us? So it clarifies things. When we're in meetings and we're talking about uh, the church, our vision statement is to connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. That's what we want to boil it down even more simple is to love God and love people. But we want to see people connected to God and people connected to each other. When we're sitting in meetings and we're making decisions, when we decide on something, we look at it and we go, is this going to help us connect people to God and connect people Uh, to each other. And so we have to make that kind of decision based on our vision. Does that make sense? Okay, now we've got all the administrative part out of the way. I want to ask you this. If then it makes sense for us to have a vision as a company, as a church, does it not also make sense to have a vision for your own life? Yes. It does. In case you're pondering that, let me just help you. Yes, it makes great sense. We can all do this. Everybody, one time, do this. Nod, yes. It makes great sense to have a vision for your life. But you know what's crazy? Is I talk to as many many or more Christians who are confused about where they're going in life than I do secular people. People are just confused. People just don't know, well, do I do this? Do I do that? Do I? I mean, literally in torment, literally torn between what do I do? Where am I going? What's my purpose? What? And I just don't think that God wants us to live that way. I believe that God would like for us to have a vision that would guide us, clarify our life, and simplify things for us. How many of you could use that in your life to be guided, clarified, and simplified? I think we could all stand for a little guidance, a little clarification, a little simplification. And so this is, I believe, what God desires for us. That What God desires for us. And so we see in Proverbs 29, 18, that this is what God is telling us, if you have a vision for your life, you won't cast off restraint. If you have a vision for your life, you will not perish because you'll be moving in the direction that God wants you to move. It says that blessed is he who keeps the law, who keeps the law. You know, the Bible says that the word of God is like a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And so as we move with God, things become more clear. Things are more simplified. We begin to move in this direction and it actually brings restraint to our life. How many could use some restraint in spending? Maybe what you watch, maybe different things in your, we could all use some restraint. And what the Bible says is if you'll just get a vision of where God wants you to go in life, it'll help you have restraint. It'll help you move in the direction that you want to go. How many of you know today that you will not wake up 40 years from, well, some of you won't wake up at all 40 years from now, but how many of you know that today, if you're like 20, 30, 40 years old, you won't wake up at the end of your life one morning and have accidentally become and done everything that God created you to do, right? That's another one. It's a no-brainer. You don't have to go home and pray about it. It's a no-brainer. That you don't just accidentally wake up one morning and go, oh, wow, everything. You know, I accidentally did everything that God wanted me to do. No, he's got a vision. He's got a plan for your life. And he wants you to walk this out. He wants you to have some restraint so that you can follow the narrow path that God's laid out before you. And he'll make it so clear for you. One of the best examples of this is Joseph. How many of you have heard of Joseph in the but Not Mary Joseph. But Joseph that married, well, no, 
not that Joseph, not the Joseph that married Mary, the Joseph that had the coat of many colors. You remember that? Everybody remembers that. But what Joseph got himself in trouble. Do you remember? First of all, he was already so loved by his father that every, all of his brothers were jealous. You remember that Joseph got this coat of many colors and that he was like sporting it around, rubbing it in his brother's faces, and they got mad. And then God gave him, they were already ticked off, God gave him some dreams in which he saw the first dream that his brothers would bow down to him. The second dream, his brothers and his mother and father bowed down to him. Now, mistake number one was flaunting the jacket. Mistake number two is when he goes to his brothers and said, man, I had this awesome dream. Let me tell you about it. How many of you would appreciate it if your youngest sibling came up to you and said, oh, by the way, one day you're going to bow to me? Nobody. You'd be like, shut up. Nobody. But he comes and he tells them and they get angry. And so they go out and they're shepherding the sheep and they're out there. And and, and here comes Joseph. He's walking and they look up and they see the guy coming. And don't you know that when they see him coming, they're thinking about the dreams. Don't you know they got irate because here he comes. And that that the closer he got, the more clear and the focus that jacket became. And they're sitting there plotting. And some of them are just like, let's just kill him. Let's just knock him off. We'll put some blood on the jacket. We'll tell our dad, man, that a wild animal got him. It'll work seamless. It'll be perfect. And then one of them steps in and goes, no, let's just throw him in the pit. Let's just put him in the pit. And he was going to try to go back and rescue him later. So they put him in the pit. Some uh, people come by on their way to Egypt and they sell Joseph off as a slave. Well, he goes and if you know this story, he ends up being bought by a man named Potiphar. And he goes to Potiphar's house and, and the whole time he's going through all of this stuff. I just believe what the Bible shows us is he held on to this. He knew that one day there was something better that was going to happen to him because God had given him a vision of what was going to be in his life. And so he held on to this vision. Now, one of the most awesome things that I see in this whole scripture is when he's in Potiphar's house, God raises him up in Potiphar's house. Potiphar sees the favor of God on his life as he's serving the Lord. There's favor on his life. And so Potiphar puts him in charge of everything. So much so that the Bible says that Potiphar didn't concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. How cool would that be? That somebody else just did all your stuff and all you did was eat. I like that. I could could eat Doritos on the couch watching SportsCenter all day long. I have no problem with that. And yet this is kind of what it's saying here. But there came a day when Joseph, who the Bible says was handsome and well-built, he was brown and he was ripped and he looked really good. And he's in the house and he's there. And I heard somebody say this the other day. They said it was Potiphar and Hotifer. That's not mine. I heard that. But Potiphar and Hotifer, his wife, begins to put eyes on Joseph and she begins to try to talk him into coming. Why don't you come to bed with me? Come here. Let's, let's have sex. Come on. You know, and here Joseph is about 17 years old. Now think of men, think about you when you were 17 years old, you've got an older woman trying to seduce you. She's loaded. Okay. She's got plenty of money. And somehow Joseph goes, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I refuse to do that. And here a 17-year-old is doing this. This is amazing to me. This shows me incredible character about this guy. I mean, if you really get honest with it, we don't even see many adults who do this today, right? 
many adults who can make that kind of decision. And here Joseph is 17 years old. I mean, you flip the TV around, you get on desperate housewives and they can't even go out and water their grass without ending up in somebody else's bed. <laughs> is that not true? That is that they go out and check the mailbox. Next thing you know, clothes are flying off. I'm like, where do they live? absolutely incredible. But this is the world we live in. And we would deceive ourselves to think that it only happens on TV. Right? But this young man, Joseph, somehow he looks at this rich, older woman. And if I'm Potiphar, I'm this powerful guy. I got a good looking gal. You know what I'm saying? And he looks at her and he says, no, no, I'm not going to do this. Now, what made him do that? I believe with all my heart that Joseph had a vision for his life. Joseph had a vision for his life. He knew there is something bigger than a one-night stand. Right? There is something bigger in my life. God has got a bigger plan for me, and I'm going to say no. Now, he ends up going to jail. You're like, well, he should have just slept with her. He'd been better off. I mean, that's kind of how we think. It would have been better to just go to bed, you know? But it's not because, listen, Joseph ends up rising back up, and he's even more powerful than he was when he had Potiphar's wife. See, if you're a Christian, you've probably heard me say this before, but if you're a Christian, you're full of the Holy Spirit. God, you're not going under. You're not going under. You may get pulled down, but you're going to pop back up. There is something about the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that God will raise you back up. When you begin to live and walk in the Spirit and you're manifesting the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those things. God is going to raise you up. God is going to raise you up. You may be going through a tough time right now, but can I tell you this, and you need to hear this today, Jesus is bigger than the circumstance you are in right now. And he will bring you out. He will bring you out. We need to get a revelation of that right here in our hearts, in our spirits. And know that no matter where we are today, Jesus Christ, if we have given our life to him, we're living by the spirit. We're walking the spirit. Jesus Christ will raise us up and he will bring better days are ahead. One thing I can assure you is if you are a Christian, there are better days ahead. Better days are ahead. We're going through a crisis in our economy. We're going through a a crisis of morality. But if you will cling to Christ, better days are ahead. Amen. 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 Thank you. I just had to get one of those. So where are we? But Joseph's able. He's 17 years old. And he's able to say no to this woman. And I believe it was because he had a vision given by God. I think so many times as Christians, we overcomplicate vision for our life. Sometimes we try to hear God and we try to do things so much that we just miss the whole thing because we're trying so hard to know what is, all right, God, what is it? You know, like God needs to tell you every time, all right, go to Wendy's, get a number one. When you leave there, I want you to go to Walmart, buy some deal. Listen, I think it's a lot more simple than that. Don't you think that when God created Adam and Eve, he knew they were going to screw up paradise in the middle of the garden. Don't you think he knew that we weren't that smart? And so God has made it so simple. He has made it so simple. And I want to tell you this today. If we are going to get a revelation for our life, 
we've got to get, if we're going to get a vision for life, we've got to get a revelation of the cross. Your vision, your life vision, and what God has for you is in the cross. It is in the cross. And we're going to look at this. See, one reason that it's in the cross is because without Jesus, none of it would matter. Paul even said himself, he's like, listen, if Jesus wasn't crucified, if he's not raised from the dead, then we're to be pitied more than all men. We're to be pitied because you and I are sitting here in vain. But the fact of the matter is that Jesus did rise from the dead. He is alive today. And because of that, you and I have a hope and a future. God does have a vision for our life because we have been redeemed through the precious blood of our perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's good. But sometimes I think it's just like that. We've heard it so much that it just kind of goes, which is, and you know what begins to happen is the devil begins to put his little claws in us in different places and he begins to pull us down. Well, work's not going good. Well, you know, my girlfriend, well, you know, my business, we know the economy, the stock market, and pretty soon we're just like, you know? But listen, the reason we have got to get a clear vision of the cross. We've got to realize that no matter what, Jesus is raised from the dead. That we have life. We have eternal life. And eternity doesn't start when you die. It is now. If you are a Christian, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You have accepted the sacrifice of Christ. You're never going to die. Your body is going to die, but you're going to keep right on trucking. You're going to be with God forever. And the only way we can discover this is if we look at the cross, is if we see the cross for what it is. See, here's the truth of the matter, okay? Here's the truth of the matter. Not one person in here deserves to go to heaven. Not one person in here has the righteousness and the perfection and the holiness required to stand before a righteous and perfect and holy God, right? He is righteous, he is perfect, he is holy, and you aren't. And I'm not. And I'm telling you, there is only one person who can make you righteous and holy and perfect enough to let you stand before a holy and perfect God, and that is Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get somebody to come up to me during the dinner, and they're going to say, well, I really had a problem with what you said today. I really had a problem. It happens every time. It happens every time. Because we live in a world that says there is no truth. And the problem with the cross is that it stands very firmly and says there is a truth. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm telling you, as Christians, we need to get some backbone. And we need to quit going, oh, well, you know, that line, it's not that important. You know, we'll just move back here. and We'll just draw another one right here. Come on over here. Come here, you big guy. You know? We need to get some backbone and we need to go, listen to me. It isn't like that. The vision for your life is found in the cross. And until you realize that you've been saved by Christ and by his perfection, you can't even figure out why you exist. See, Buddha didn't die on a cross for you. In fact, in my opinion, Buddha was one of the most selfish people that ever lived. He left his wife. He left left everything to go find his own nirvana. Jesus Christ said, I'm going to die for you, forsaking everything that's rightfully mine, 
Now, which one would you rather live for? The one who goes after his own stuff or the one that died for you? That gave you a hope and a future? See, there's no other way. I, I got a good friend of mine, man. He is such a blessing to me. He just has no clue what a blessing he is. And I preached a message similar to this. It's been probably seven, eight months ago. It was just about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And see, we need to understand that that's still, that is love, guys. The greatest love we've ever seen was Jesus on the cross. It's not turn or burn. It is like, look, dude, you get a chance to turn. You get a chance to be forgiven. But I, I preached this message. And she said Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And afterwards they said, man, I, I got a big problem with what you preached today. I was like, okay, that's always good to hear. Thanks. And then he was like, you know, in fact, what you preached today is the reason I left church. And I was like, ah, oh, thanks. All right, good to know you. See ya. And he came to me. He's like, man, I just, I just have a hard time with it. I have a real hard time with it. And, and I was like, what is it? He's like, because, you know, I have people that I know that are this way or that way. And, and, and I just have a real hard time with saying that, that they can't go to heaven. I have a real, and, and, and then, you know, and, and part of me wanted to rise up and start turning to scripture and say, listen, this is what the Bible says. This is what it says. I mean, either it's true or it's not. Either we believe it or we don't, because you can't be a Christian and believe that the word of God is true and think that there's another way because it specifically says there's not. Right? And so we come to this place where I'm like, oh, do I do this? Do I not? Do I do this? And I said, I'll tell you what, this is what we'll do. I'll go away. I will pray. I'm going to ask God to reveal the truth to me. I want you to go away. I want you to pray. And I want you to ask God to reveal the truth to you. If I'm wrong, I hope he'll reveal it to me. If you're wrong, I hope he'll reveal it to you. We go away. About a week later, I'm down in Lakeland at school. And I get a phone call, and it's the guy. He says, listen, man. He's like, I got to run something by you because I think I'm crazy. He's like, you got to tell me if I'm crazy or not. And I was like, okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, all right, man. I don't like telling people they're crazy, but, but go ahead. And so he goes, this is what I'm thinking. He's like, you can get to heaven a lot of ways. He said, you could be Muslim. You could be Buddhist. You could be this. You could be that. You could get to heaven a lot of ways. There are a lot of ways to get to heaven. I'm like, oh, all right. You're going to have to do some explaining here because I'm not tracking so far. He's like, but... Jesus is the only one who made a sacrifice for our sins that made us perfect enough so that we could actually get there. If we could live a perfect life, then we could get there ourselves. And I was like, okay. And he's like, but none of us can. So that's the reason that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the reason that he's the only way you can get to heaven. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I'm in my car. I'm like dancing. And I'm like, yes, yes. And he goes, am I crazy? And I was like, man, if I drew a bullseye and I said, hit the bullseye, I said, I think you hit it right dead center. Perfect. You nailed it, man. You hit it right in the middle. I'm talking about just drilled it. Because the truth is, if we could live a perfect life, we could do it on our own. We can make it. But the truth is also that we can't. We can't do it on our own. And some of us as Christians are still trying today to do it all by ourselves to do it all by ourselves, And we're carrying this burden around that we don't need to carry. We're trying to put ourselves on the cross and Jesus is the one who's already done it. Now, do we need to die daily? Yes. 
But Jesus is the only way that we're going to get there. And because of that, he is the vision holder. See, I believe that Joseph not only knew that God was the vision giver, but he was also the vision fulfiller. He wasn't just the dream giver. He was the dream fulfiller. And I want to clarify something to you today. I'm not up here to try to put down any other religion. I'm just up here telling you my heart. I'm telling you what the Bible says. So if you have fault with this, you don't have fault with me. You have fault with the word of God. Because I'm just telling you what this says. And so we have to come to a place where we get a clear vision of the cross. If we want to find who we are, what our purpose is, it is found simply in the cross. It clarifies our life. Does it not? The cross brings such clarity to our life. We're able to see clearly who God is. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus was the express image when he walked the earth, the express image of God. If you want to know what God looks like, look to the New Testament and see what Jesus looks like. He was the express. He clarifies things for us. He gives us a guidance. He, he sent the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to direct us, to give us direction in our life. He guides us and he simplifies things. And some of us need to hear this today because your life is spinning out of control and it seems like you're making one bad decision after another and things are going crazy and everything's all over the place. But when you come to a place of allowing Jesus to be your vision of the cross being the vision for your life, what's going to direct you and guide you, it simplifies so many decisions for you. And I would even encourage you this week to take you a little sheet of paper and write out a vision statement for your life. I was praying about this this week and what I believe the Lord put on my heart for me is to represent Christ in everything I say and do. But what is yours? What is God putting on your heart? What does the cross tell you that you need to do? Is it to live a life worthy of Christ? Is it to to, uh, represent Christ in everything you say and do? Is it, you know, to to be the light of Christ to everybody you come in contact. What is it? Because see, when you define that for yourself, and it doesn't have to be like really narrow. You don't have to plan out your entire life right now. But what is it that God is calling you to do? What is it that the cross reveals to you? Who is it that God's calling you to be? How is he calling you to live? Because once you know that, it simplifies so many decisions. See, if I want to represent Christ in everything I say and do, then that means I can't cuss the person out in line at Walmart. That's not even an option, okay? It clarifies that decision. If I decide I want to up and leave my wife, I can't do that. That's not a decision that I can make because I want to represent Christ in everything I say and I do. If I want to shack up on Saturday night, I can't do that. Because it doesn't fit under my vision statement. Does that make sense? I mean, remember we said everything, every decision has to be made under the vision. And when we get a vision of the cross, we realize, we realize that the decisions I make have to be based off of that cross. It has to be based off of what Jesus has called me to be and to do. You all okay? It's sitting like dancing, but I think it's something we need to hear. We need to know. Listen, this is the good news. We got to remember that about this is the good news. This is Jesus Christ died for us, 
while we were yet sinners. So we have this view, and you listen to this, we have this view of Christianity today that Jesus is just Jesus like cuddling a little lamb. And he's petting a little lamb. But do you know, do you know that Jesus was beaten to a pulp for you? Do you know that the skin was literally ripped off of his back for you? Do you know that nails were really driven through his hands and his feet for you? That a crown of thorns was really pushed down on his head for you and caused blood to run down his face for you? See, this is not some cute, cuddly thing. The cross was an execution device. I wear a cross around my neck every day. This neck, it hadn't been off my neck for probably 18 years. Kind of gross, actually. But this is an execution device, right? He died. He died to give us a hope and a future. That is the good news. It's the good news that God has given us a way to have a hope and a future, to live for him every day of our life. I want to tell you real quick, and we're going to to go eat. But I believe this with all my heart, too, as you're sitting there. The most common obstacle to us living out the vision that God has for our life is fear most common obstacle that we have is fear. Think about it. People sleep around. Why do they sleep around? There's fear that they'll never find love. There's fear that they're not accepted. There's a way for them to try to find acceptance. People cheat on their taxes. Why do they cheat on their taxes? They're afraid I might not have enough money. People cheat in business today. Why are they cheating in business? Because my business might go under. So fear drives our life so much. And I'll tell you this. I believe that we are a people who are so much more fear-driven than faith-driven. Does that make sense? We are so much more fear-driven than faith-driven. And I believe with all my heart also that if we will get a revelation of the cross, if we'll get a vision of the cross, if we'll get that vision for our life, that we'll begin to live out of a vision, out of a faith vision, and not out of fear. I mean, I guarantee you, if we ask for a show of hands in here today, I would say 99% of everybody in here today is afraid of something that's robbing your life. I was talking with Sean Fox today, and, and he said, you know, a great illustration to me is just to have everybody close their eyes and to imagine what it would be like if you didn't, excuse me, didn't worry about everything, about anything. What would it be like if you could truly get to a place where you didn't worry about anything? How awesome would that be? How, how, how much would it feel like the weight of the world was lifted off of your shoulders? How awesome would that be? And yet I, I believe that that is what the cross and the vision of the cross would have for us. I want to read to you real quick. It's Matthew chapter 6. And some of you, this may be the part of the message that you need to hear. So don't check out and start thinking about macaroni and cheese and green beans. Listen to me. This may be the part that you came for today. I want you to hear this very clearly. Matthew chapter 6. I want to read to you 25 through 33. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they not... They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Who do you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, many of us have heard that verse in church too. If you've grown up in church, you've heard that. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, all these things begin unto you. And then we pat him on the back and say, don't worry anymore. But that doesn't always solve it, does it? Doesn't always fix it. And I think sometimes we get to 633 before we really begin to look at verse 25. And I believe that many times we're robbed of our our peace. We're, We're put in fear because we haven't really answered the question that says, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? See, listen, God, God will supply every need that you have. He'll take care of everything that you have, that you need. He's going to meet that need. I promise he is faithful to do that. When we cling to him, he will meet every need that we have. But I believe this, that so many times life is not more than food to us. Life is not more than clothes to us. In fact, I believe sometimes that those things become our God. And listen to this, in verse 32, it even says that. He says, for the pagans run after all of these things. I believe that sometimes the reason we can't live out the vision of God in our life is because we're living in fear of what might be taken away from us. Is that not true? What if I don't make the right decision and I end up not having that house I want? But is life not more than what you'll live in? What if I end up not making enough money and I end up not having the car? Well, you know, is life not more than what you drive? Is life not more than how popular your kids are? Is life not more than how popular you are? Is life not more? Is life not more? And I'm telling you what Jesus offers us today is life that is more. It is abundant life in him that can't be found anywhere else. And it comes from what Jesus did on the cross for us. See, some of us are in fear because we can't let go of stuff. We can't release stuff. And so we live in bondage to stuff. Because somebody can come and they can take away your stuff. But the Bible says that no one can pluck you from the Father's hand. How awesome is that? See, when you live with a life vision that God has placed on the inside of you and you realize what the cross has done for you, what the cross has bought for you, what the cross has paid for you, and you realize nobody can take this away from me, then grace and peace and love, all of those things are yours and no one can take them away from you unless you let them. Right? No one can take that away from you unless you let them. But if we put our hope in other things, then we do have something to fear. God forbid, but the worst happens that today is the last, you take your last breath today. But the good news is that even if the worst happened, if that happened, you are still secure in Christ if you've made him your Lord and your Savior. You are still secure. Some of us today are in torment because we haven't discovered that perfect love of God. 
But when we get a clear vision of the cross, we begin to see the perfect love of God. What did Jesus say? Say, what did Jesus say? Greater love has none than this, that, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. That is the perfect love. And the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear. Fear can't stand in the face of the love of Jesus. And when we begin to see that, we get a clear vision of that. That we can begin to have peace because we know that we are covered, we are enveloped in the love of Jesus. The last thing is this. Some of us are today are in fear because the evil one has come against us. There's a real devil. 1 Peter 5, 8 says to be aware, be alert, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. He is very real, and he would very like to destroy your life. And he has got our claws into some of us in different ways, making us think that we're not going to make it. But the good news of the cross is that you are going to make it. The good news of the cross is that Jesus Christ has victory. The good news of the scripture is that God has seated him at his right hand and everything has been placed under his feet and he has lifted you up out of all the junk and all the crap and he has seated you with him. You are going to be okay. That's the good news of the cross. See, fear has to dissolve at the cross. Fear has to go away. Because when we come to the foot of the cross and we die to the things of the world, no one can take anything from us. Everything we have is secure in Christ. Fear has to dissolve at the cross because we see the perfect love of Jesus. And we're in faith and we we see Jesus. There's no way that love, that fear can come against that love because perfect love casts out fear. And then the last thing is this. No devil of hell can torment you in fear because the blood of Jesus is around you, has shielded you, has clothed you. And when you stand firm, as Ephesians 6 says, with the armor of God around you, no devil of hell can win against you. You are a child of God, born and birthed out of the Spirit of God and covered with the blood of Jesus and every spirit of hell has to bow at the name of Jesus. Right? Man, I think I lost all of you somewhere about 25 minutes ago. Listen, sometimes we hear messages that are like, man, it's like, woohoo! And then sometimes we get some that feel kind of like a sand spur going down. But I want to tell you, this is the good news of Jesus. That we have the opportunity to spend eternity with him. That no matter, listen, the vision God has given you for your life, the the vision that the cross has birthed for us who are believers is bigger than any circumstance you are in. It's not based on circumstance. It's not even based on location. It's based on you right now being what Jesus called you to be. And that's it. And it simplifies It guides. It clarifies. It makes things very, very easy. Amen? Amen.